Dynasty Football Factory and the Dynasty Football Network. That's James the Brain. Case Keenum is already loving the Broncos cafeteria. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> hey, that is all we have for recruiting techniques, by the way. <laughs> the number one cafeteria food in all of the NFL. That's Travis the Beard. Saquano one. That's Brian the Yins. Hey, Yins guys, let's do it. And I am John Hogue. Then this is super flexible. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good one. Case Keenum is apparently headed to the Denver Broncos, and that's about all we know <laughs> as far as free agency goes. So there's going to be almost no free agency talk on this episode, just like last episode. We're talking rankings. Last episode, we talked about risers and fallers. This time, we're going to just talk about straight-up discrepancies between the four of us. We've got Brian Haar in here again. He helps us with all of our rankings, and the four of us combined make up the consensus super flex rankings at DynastyFootballFactory.com. Just go to the rankings tab and look up the super flex rankings to see where we're all at on these guys and uh, what happens when you put those rankings together. Smash them together. So we're going to talk about that today because there are a few guys where one of us is way off from the rest of the others and thus the consensus. So we're going to get right into this because James has Mike Evans ranked as his wide receiver number 12, and he cannot get away with this. Real quick, Brian has him ranked as wide receiver four. I've got him wide receiver three. Travis has him wide receiver four, and the consensus is wide receiver 5.75. Do some quick math there. Four, three, four, and yet somehow he's ranked higher than that in the consensus, all because of our resident brain. James, what are you doing? Yeah, man, I, I, I'll go ahead and make my case on why I have Mike Evans so low. So let's, let's start with last season. Last season, uh, in 15 games played, he had 71 receptions. Uh, that was his low um, since his rookie year. Um, he had a career low in yardage of 1,001 yards, and he had five touchdowns. So he's coming off a year where it's, it's not so great, right? But here's the thing with Mike Evans. His volume is always really high, right? So you look at his targets. His rookie year, he had 122 targets, okay? The year after, 148. 2016, his breakout year, 173 targets. Last year, down to 136. So looking at his targets, this guy is always heavily targeted. But why can't he be more productive? And the problem is, is his catch rate. His catch rate, the highest it has been in his four years in the league, is 55.7. Okay, so let's let's take a look at that, all right? Because I, I a lot of guys that I have ranked over him, guys like Brandon Cooks. Well, if you look at Brandon Cooks, his catch rate, and he's been in the league four years, his lowest was last year at 57, Okay. So you go, oh, well, Mike Evans was, was at 57.7. That was Mike Evans' highest. He has never been over 55.7%. That was his rookie year, okay? So Brandon Cooks, his rookie year was 76.8. 
Then after that, it was 65.1, then 66.7. Brandon Cooks has an elite catch rate. Last year was an outlier season for him at 57%. That's the lowest it's been, okay? So let's look at another guy that I'm really high on, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is a deep threat. This is a guy who isn't known for catching the ball all that well. His catch rate in two seasons, 73.5% his rookie year, 71.4% his second year. He doesn't rely on that high volume that Mike Evans gets. When you look at the, you know, his volume, he's had 83 targets and 105. Every year Mike Evans has been in the league, he's out-targeted him. So you look at the targets and you go, okay, well, that's, that's a good thing. He's getting those targets. The problem is, is they're going down. Um, after last year, I mean, 136, that's his lowest since his rookie year. His targets went down, his catch rate went down, and he's, like I said, he's never been over 55.7%. His hands have always been questionable. He lacks concentration at times. Um, he has a lot of drops. Um, you know, I, I just, I see a guy who has a lot of holes in his game. He's very volume dependent. And look, let's look at what Tampa Bay's doing. Tampa Bay just signed Cameron Brait not long ago to a six-year extension, which means Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard, that's two tight ends you're going to have on the field a lot in passing situations. Chris Godwin, I think we're, we, we, you know, we discussed on our last podcast, Brian was really high on him. He was uh, his, his riser at the wide receiver position. I am too. I like Chris Godwin a lot. They're going to have to find opportunities to get a guy like that the ball. I know Deshaun Jackson, Brian wasn't as high on, but Deshaun Jackson is also a guy that can take the roof off of the defense. So I'm just saying there's only one ball to go around. Tampa Bay is going to also run the ball. I mean, they've they've made it known that they they want to fix that running game. How, how does this work with Mike Evans? I think his targets drop even lower. He's always been a volume-dependent wide receiver. He's not efficient. He's a guy who drops too many patches, and his catch rates have never been good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with having Mike Evans as a back-end wide receiver one when I look at the stats and I look at the trends and I look at what that offense is doing. So um, I'm more than willing, though, to listen to you guys and hear kind of why you guys are a little higher on him um, because, you know, I, I am, I'm always willing to listen and kind of learn, um, you know, why you guys may feel differently. So my, my biggest issue with your rank, other than just having him at 12, is these guys you have above him – you have Will Fuller at <laughs> wide receiver eleven. How did that not break? Like start this conversation off. Will Fuller at wide receiver eleven. Is yeah, that just, one's tough. For that's me. mind-boggling to me. Yeah, that one's tough for me. And and Brandon Cooks. I mean, you just and said T.Y. Hilton down and then AJ Green. Yeah. So for Brandon Cooks to me is is maybe the well Will Fuller is is pretty bad but Brandon Cooks is the 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 most outrageous to me because I mean you just said he had a down season that's without Julian Edelman that's with Chris Hogan injured most of the season you know this is he he had every opportunity Brandon Cooks was you know he had every opportunity to be featured in that offense and he still has his worst season as a pro. I mean, that's, that's kind of his future in new England to me. It's only going to get worse. Well, I wouldn't say he had his worst season as a pro his rookie year. He had 53 receptions for 550 yards and three touchdowns. This last year, he had 65 receptions for 1,082 yards, more than Mike Evans had and seven touchdowns also more than Mike Evans had. So I mean, I guess I, I guess I when looking at the stats, I see a receiver that was a better receiver than Mike Evans. 
So, I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying. Uh, Mike Evans' catch rate, again, was lower than Brandon Cook's was. His was at 57%. It was a career low. So there are some things that he had to work on. But his numbers overall, I, better than Mike Evans. I would love for you to explain Will Fuller to me because that's I can't get past that. Yeah, man, I, I, I will do that too because I um, – Basically, the, the reason why I have Will Fuller ranked so high is because of his unbelievable upside. Um, and I just have to kind of find his game. Dude, if his upside is wide to, receiver uh, 11, even, you, I mean, you've capped, him, you've capped him out. And I, that's insane. I think it's even higher than that. And, and if you look at the games that he played, look at the games he played with Deshaun Watson. If you're high on Deshaun Watson, I don't know how you can't be high on Will Fuller. I when am high on Will Fuller. I have him um, as wide receiver 24. To do so. That's high. Awesome. So so let's let's look at his game logs um, from this last season. You can tell me um, if if I'm just crazy ridiculous or, or what. But, yeah, looking at him last year, check this out. I mean, week one against Tennessee, they win 57-14. to 14. Um, He ends up with two touchdowns. He ended up with seven touchdowns. All seven of them came in four weeks when he played with Deshaun Watson. All seven touchdowns in four weeks when Deshaun Watson played. How is that upside not insane? Seven touchdowns in four weeks with Deshaun Watson? I mean, you can average that out, and that's what? 28 touchdowns on the year? I know it's ridiculous. I'm not saying that that's an average, but that that is insane production. If you can get that, you're getting a guy who, dude, that that's half that is wide receiver one. Half of that is wide receiver one. Now, I'm not saying that he hits those numbers. I am just saying when you look at his upside of when he played with Deshaun Watson, it is insane. He was targeted, and he was targeted in the red zone, and he made the most out of those games. So, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it. I'm saying, I, I look, there, it's insane. He had two catches in week two against Kansas City for 57 yards and two touchdowns. That, I, I mean, the, the production, the, the, I don't think that he can be that efficient again. But, I mean, I'm just saying even if he's half that efficient, this guy's going to have double-digit touchdowns. And I, I, I just I see a, a really high ceiling for a guy like that. So I'm more than willing to, to defend my Will Fuller ranking. But, um, really, I, I, I think this is more about where I have Mike Evans. And the reason why I have Mike Evans this low is because I don't see that ceiling, especially playing with Jameis Winston. I see a guy who needs to be targeted very heavily. He needs 175 targets, you know, to get to 1300 yards and double digit touchdowns. Whereas with Will Fuller, I don't see that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I understand I'm going to be in the minority and I'm fine with that. Um, but, you know, I have reasoning for, for doing it this way. And it really, that's it, is the upside of Will Fuller is wide receiver one. Um, whether people want to acknowledge that or not, it, it really is. I mean, seven touchdowns in four games when he played with Deshaun Watson, extrapolate that out to a whole season. And, I mean, you have, you, you have wide receiver one numbers, no doubt. Wow. Dude would set yeah, so would Deshaun Watson. That's that. the point, though. Is you can't extrapolate year. that over the whole year. But so, so Will Fuller has played twenty-two career games. James, guess how many times without looking he's had more than five catches in a game? I, I, I don't know. Nor do I Once. care. Really. One Dude, time playing with TJ Yates for part of his career. He played with Deshaun Watson for four games and he scored seven touchdowns. I'm that just saying time, I'm not, that one time that he had that more than five catches was not games. with Deshaun Watson. No, he actually did have five catches though with Deshaun Watson in one more, of the four games that he played. 
and, and, and in that and in that game where he had five receptions, um, he also had uh, five receptions for 125 yards and two touchdowns in one of the four games he played with Deshaun Watson. That's right. I, yep. I, I guess. And I guess. The, I the just other can't four, the that. other three, he had two catches in the other three games. Yep, and and again, seven total touchdowns. That's fine. We all know touchdowns aren't aren't predictive, and you. I mean, those are the most volatile stat to base a wide receiver off of. Our touchdowns. He, I mean, in those in those four games, he had a total of eleven catches. Has this turned into Will Fuller talk? I thought I was defending my, my ranking on Mike Evans. I guess. I guess that's, you know, I, I, you know, you know I you're right, right. but that's my, that was just I couldn't get past it, and I'm sorry. I know it's not Will Fuller talk, but man, I can't, I can't, I just couldn't get past Will Fuller above Mike Evans. I couldn't do it. Yeah, man, and and really, I get it. it it's upside. I I see that Mike Evans has produced, but my problem again with Mike Evans is it's all volume based, and uh, Will Fuller isn't a guy who relies on volume. Um, and I think that that can lead to some inconsistency, like you said. I mean, there are, there are several games he has not broken five receptions. There's only one that he has. He's had over five, and so I get that. I understand that if I take a risk on Will Fuller, there is a good chance that this guy never develops into an every week producer uh, where he can, you know, take five, six, seven receptions because he's not going to get the volume. Um, but when I look at Mike Evans, I see a guy who needs the volume. And if that volume gets taken away from him, which I'm kind of seeing as something that I, I think is, is, is trending that way with this offense, um, then I'm, I'm not interested in a guy who, who, is, who needs volume to produce and isn't going to get it. So I guess that's, that's me trying to justify my ranking on Mike Evans, not to mention the fact that, like I said, his hands are questionable at best. And um, for a guy who has never – I mean, his highest catch rate, Julio Jones has been in the league seven years. He has never had a, – a, his lowest catch rate is, is better than Mike Evans' highest catch rate at this point. So I, to me, it's just this is a guy who needs volume because he's going to drop a bunch of passes. And I just, I'm not interested in a guy like that as being a, a guy I'm going to, you know, invest a high pick on. So that's me uh, as far as Mike Evans goes. That's kind of me justifying that where I have him. So, James, I think you make some good points there. Um, for me, I think with Evans, it has to do with it is definitely is the upside. You know, he's still only 24 years old. The catch rate stuff is, I mean, that's all, I, I can't really argue that. I mean, um, I can, hope that that will get a little bit better. And with the volume, if it does get just a little bit better, his stats are going to be enormous. So it, it only takes a little uptick with the catch rate to get him into the levels where he was for the, from, for the 16 season. Um, you know, it the, now I will, I will admit too that the red zone stuff scares me a little bit with Cameron Brait resigning. Um, you know, and and I've you know my my uh, Chris Godwin take is documented. Um, I really like him. I think he'll be a more you know he'll get more involved in the offense, especially um, you know especially moving forward. I just still see Evans as that as as that beast, and I and I could be you know if he puts up another year like he did this past year, I will probably be right there with you, knocking him down a little bit. Um, but I just. I just think he rebounds. I think this year was a just kind of an off year. Um, you know, he was he was being drafted what second overall. 
last off season. So um, I guess I'm just more optimistic of a rebound. I think Travis's point was, was well taken with Mike Evans because I think he kind of pointed out that, uh, that Mike Evans has done it and Will Fuller hasn't. And that, that was kind of his point. And I, I think Brian, you, you made a good point too, basically by saying that, um, you know, you, you kind of see what, um, what Mike Evans is capable of. And, and it definitely makes sense to me. Um, so you moving I, him up? You, you know, I, I still, here's my thing. My, 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 the, the main oh, thing with this, the main thing with this is, <laughs> look, in, in 2016, he was, he was wide receiver one, all right? He uh-huh. also finished with 173 targets. That was his career high. Last mm-hmm. year, it went all the way down to 136. So here's the thing. If, if, if I know that his targets are going to go up, I would be happy to move him up my rankings because I think with the volume, he can still put up really good numbers. My problem is, is that with this offense, I have a tough time reading it. I think Godwin does demand more attention. I think he's been good enough to where he's going to demand more balls thrown his way. I think O.J. Howard is growing in this offense, and he's going to be a weapon that is going to demand some attention. And I also think Cameron Bray, I mean, they didn't re-sign him to a six-year deal to ignore him. The guy's going to be on the field, especially in the red zone. I guess my thing is, is I just... I don't know for sure that those targets are going to go up. And if they go down, I don't see his production rebounding. So that's that's my thing. Um, I definitely think, though, I'm a little bit more optimistic on Evans after after hearing you guys. But I don't know if I'm going to move him up. If I do, it won't be much. But I, I might have to move him up a tick or two. So um, I'll go with you there. I might have to move him up over Fuller as much as... It, it pains me to say it because Travis is going to let me know that he was he was right and he convinced me um, for the next no, no, no. three weeks <laughs> if I do that. So if I if I do it, I might just have to do it quietly and not let anyone know, you know. But uh, but no, it was definitely uh, you guys brought up some good points. All right, so what do we got next, John? I know we got a couple others that we wanted to hit up too. Yeah, let's put the let's point the heat lamp here at Travis and uh, and make him sweat a little bit. We're going to talk about Devonte Parker. For a second here, consensus, he's a wide receiver, 36.25. Brian has him at wide receiver, 37. I've got him at wide receiver, 43. James has him at wide receiver, 36. Travis has him at wide receiver, 29, ahead of, among others, Marvin Jones, Michael Crabtree, Jamison Crowder. What do you see, Travis? Yeah, so this is really, I mean, I don't... I don't have a really – I'm not super passionate about Devontae Parker, so we're not going to go as long as I think we did on Mike Evans. But, yeah, I mean, 29 is not that crazy far ahead of 36. I think that whole range is kind of a nebulous area. But as far as having him above those those guys, I mean, Crabtree, I think we can all agree, is his situation is up in the air. He's an aging player. He had a couple good seasons, but let's not pretend he's some elite player. Um, Marvin Jones is a very good wide receiver and he's, you know, proven that he's a very usable asset, but his upside is limited in my opinion. And then Jamison Crowder is a slot, is a slot player, which doesn't necessarily mean bad things in, in general, but again, his upside is limited in, in my mind as well. And so with, with Parker, it's mainly just what I've seen on, on film from this guy. There are, and I've said this before on the podcast, there are moments and I might just be naive in, in still buying in, but there, there are moments you watch this guy play and he, he shows elite wide receiver, uh, 
I guess not not just athleticism, but elite elite wide receiver play. I mean, you you watch him play, and he looks like AJ Green out there sometimes. I mean, he he can absolutely his ceiling. I guess is the only reason I have him so high um, because if he can get it together in between the ears and 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 put together a good season, I mean, his upside for me is still you know a top ten wide receiver. I don't think he's going to hit that at this point. That's why I've got him at 29. But the player himself, to me, can, I guess, has the upside to reach that that level. So I'm going to give him, and I'm going to give him one more year, basically. Like this is a do or die year for Devonte Parker, um, and I don't know that it's very fair to him with their quarterback situation. But I mean, if he can't at least show me a decent season overall, you know, like, I mean, over a thousand yards and six to 10 touchdowns. If he can put that up with subpar quarterback play, then I'll still be bought in for next year. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's totally far-fetched to be honest with you as much as I'd love to disagree with you. Um, I, I, I don't think him being a mid range wide receiver three, um, which is kind of where you have him ranked a mid to low end wide receiver three, um, is totally far-fetched. Um, I, I don't have him too too much further down in my rankings. Um, I, I will say, and again, I, I'm not going to get into this too much because um, I, I think we all have our rankings a little bit differently set up, but some of the guys who have him over, I don't think I would I would do that. Um, there are some guys I'm a little higher on than than you are um, as far as you know where you have him ranked in your rankings and some guys you have him ranked over. However, I definitely see that there is upside there with Jarvis Landry leaving um, I definitely think that, I mean, the opportunity is there. It, it's just, I, I feel like even with Landry there the past couple years, he's still had that opportunity and just hasn't quite seized it. So this is it, man. I, I agree with you. This is kind of the year where if, if he, if he doesn't do it, you know, you might as well just move on, you know, at that point, because this isn't a guy that I would spend too much time on um, if, if he if he can't prove it this year with the opportunity he should be in. Yeah, I agree for. with all that from both of you guys. Um, Travis, I think you made a good point, though. Um, it's kind of unfair that his uh, the year that we're all going to look at him and say, hey, you got to show me something is a year where the Miami quarterback uh, situation is so kind of up in the air. Um, I feel the same way, though. I mean, uh, Parker's a guy that uh, I was pretty high on coming out. And over the last several years, he just keeps uh, moving down my rankings um, and, and in the way that I value him. Um, the athleticism and the potential and the ceiling is all there. Um, it's just he has not been able to put it together whatsoever. So if he does that, I think this could go either way. If he does that and he shows some flashes, uh, you know, I think his value will rise again. Uh, and if he doesn't, I think he's going to be one of those dead to me guys um, for the most part. Yeah, totally fair. John, you're the one that has him the lowest. So you want to get your, your opinion in here real quick before we move on? Yeah. I mean, I guess I just think that, you know, the, yeah, the quarterback situation has changed frequently and Jarvis Landry has definitely kind of been in the way to, you know, to take away some, uh, some targets from Devonte Parker, but I mean, we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting on this guy, and and it just hasn't happened, you know. And at what point do we just say this is this is another one of those guys with, 
you know, all that upside that he's all that potential he's just never going to reach, you know, and and that's where it, that's how it feels. And that's why I kind of pointed out a few of those guys, you know, Marvin Jones, Michael Crabtree, even Jamison Crowder to an extent. These are all guys who have flashed at some point, you know, and I don't think that any of them are necessarily, you know, beyond the point of being able to, to achieve that type of success again. So to me, I mean, they're, they're all just safer picks. Um, they're safer guys to have on your roster than just sitting around waiting on Devonte Parker, which we've been doing for way too long, in my opinion. Fair enough, man. I mean, we, we, we do talk though sometimes about how people give up on wide receivers too early. 2018 is going to be his fourth year in the league, which I know is a little late, but I mean, you go back, you know, three, four years ago, and we were all talking about the third year wide receiver breakout. And this is only one year post that. And I mean, he's had, you know, his rookie year, he put up 529 yards, which isn't anything to be excited about. But then he had 744 and 670. It's not like he's doing nothing. Um, so yeah, I'm just not ready to give up quite yet. If he puts up one more subpar year, then, then we'll have a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think that we're just kind of we're approaching this season for Devontae Parker from two totally different angles. I mean, you're you're still looking at the upside, which is totally fine. I'm looking at the fact that he hasn't done it yet with either of these quarterbacks and the quarterback situation has not improved to this point. So um, I, I I don't like the way this is. I don't like where this is headed, but we'll see. I mean, there's, there's, like you said, he's still young. There's still, he's still within that window. Um, the breakout could be coming. I'm just, I, I'm personally getting a little tired of waiting. But so this is a quarterback centric podcast above all else, super flexible for the super flex format. So let's talk about a quarterback. Oh, Brian. What's up? You have, <laughs> yeah, you have Jameis Winston as QB eight. The consensus is QB fifteen. I've got him at seventeen. James has him at a cool QB twenty one, and Travis has him at QB fourteen. Uh, so you're obviously quite a bit higher on him than we are, and quite a bit higher on him than the consensus, the overall consensus. You have him ahead of Marcus Mariota, Dak Prescott, even Kirk Cousins, um, who you mentioned is a, a guy who's rising in your rankings. So what do you see with Jameis Winston that has you so optimistic? Yeah, so first of all, um, Kirk Cousins will be moving ahead of Jameis Winston in my rankings, just so nobody gets too upset. But I don't really see the problem here. I mean, I'm just trying to eat W's, so... <laughs> he got knocked down in my rankings just for doing that just for that weird how did he even get his fingers like that i try and do that from time to time just to, so so yeah, i had him at i had him at 12 and then i saw that video and i knocked him down to 14 so yep and he he falls another spot every time uh every time i see that gift <laughs> Well, I'm into eating W, so I don't know. Um, no, for 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 me, I mean, I like Jameis. Um, he's a young guy. 
the biggest thing with me with Winston is the turnovers. And I do acknowledge that he is a turnover machine and he's got to correct that. But if he does, um, you know, we just spent some time talking about all of the weapons uh, that he has as far as the passing game goes. Um, Bray, Howard, Evans, Godwin, um, you know, so he has a lot of weapons around him. Um, if he can not turn the ball over quite so much, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I think he's the QB eight. Wow. QB eight, huh? Eight. I, I don't know. Well, that's what it says on, that's what it says on the sheet anyway. Right. So well, yeah. Even if cousins <laughs> moves ahead of him, then that's QB nine. And, uh, and I, I still think that's insane, dude, but yeah. All right. So let's, let's put it this way. I think you made some really good points as far as his weapons. He definitely has weapons, but he's had those same weapons, you know, last year. Um, you know, and outside of God, when he had basically the same weapons the year previous, I, I don't know. I just, here's my thing with Winston. And I think you touched on it, Brian, it's the turnovers, but I think it, I think it, it's part of a larger issue, which is the decision-making. I mean, he just seems to make those boneheaded plays every once in a while where you just scratch your head. Like, what was he looking at? How, how does he make that pass? I just don't know that he can read the defense at an NFL level in an elite way. I don't know if it's, you know, just lack of concentration, you know, in game prep. Um, if he's just not good at, you know, seeing um, on the field what he's seeing on film. I, I'm not sure what it is, what the issues are. But, I mean, if 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 we also project that O.J. Howard is going to be a big part of this offense and Chris Godwin, these are younger guys, too, that, you know, I mean, if, if you're not on the same page with them, um, you know, there there could be some growing pains there, too. So I, I still have reservations about Winston. Um, really, I, I think his decision-making is the big one for me. I think you touched on it, Brian. If he gets those turnovers reeled in, the only thing is I haven't seen anything that suggests that he will. Um, so I guess that's my issue with Jameis Winston is – I don't think he will get the get those the you know that issue ironed out. I think he's had every opportunity to, and he still continues to turn the ball over too much. And you know, to to me, I mean, those turnovers are negative points for my fantasy player, and I don't I don't like that at all. So um, that's why I have him ranked lower. I'm kind of curious to hear uh, hear Travis and John and kind of their takes on it. Yeah, I mean, I QB fourteen. I think I, I don't have a strong take either way. I'm kind of mediocre on him. Um, I acknowledge that there's still some upside, but I also acknowledge that what I've seen so far isn't great. And I mean, we're three years in at this point. And I mean, we can't say that three years is, you know, an absolute judge of, of a QB's career. I mean, quarterbacks can have long, long careers and, and guys we don't even expect can come in and turn around and make a difference. Um, you know, I mean, Kirk cousins is going into year seven and, Granted, that's a different situation, and he wasn't starting the first three years. But you know, I mean, quarterbacks have a long shelf life, and so I'm not I'm not ready to say he's done, but I'm not ready to say that he's going to be the next elite quarterback either. So I know that's not really the strongest take, but I'm kind of lukewarm on Jameis Winston, to be honest. Yeah, that's essentially where I'm at with it too. Which it's there's just kind of a group of guys right there that I, I don't know I. I, I don't feel super comfortable with any of them, um, you know, in a super flex league. I mean, first of all, let me preface this by saying in most super flex leagues, I'm ending up with Aaron Rodgers because I'm, I take quarterbacks way earlier than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that second quarterback doesn't matter too, too much to me, but 
I mean, I still am looking for a little bit more upside than than what I think you're getting with Jameis Winston. The best thing that I can say about him is that I don't feel like he separates himself from, you know, some of the some of those other middle of the pack guys like, you know, Philip Rivers and and Ben Roethlisberger. Um he's younger, but that's about all he's got going for him. The worst thing that I can say about him is that I would way rather take a shot with the unknown guys, Mahomes, Trubisky. I would way rather give those guys a shot as my uh, my second quarterback, my super flex, than Jameis Winston just because I don't feel comfortable with Jameis. I just don't. I, I feel like he's kind of one of those those up and down hit or miss type of guys from week to week. And I, and I just can't deal with that in the super flex. Hey, league. so, so John, let me ask you a question because one of the guys that, that is on that, that we kind of were talking about earlier, um, Mariota. So Mark's Mariota in comparison, you have him, I believe ranked. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys all have him ranked higher uh, than I do, but John, you have him up at four what? In, in, <laughs> yep, in comparing right. him to Winston. Okay. So yeah. Winston in they came out same year, right? Drafted one and two that year. Same same age, yeah. twenty four years old. Okay, uh, yeah. Winston sixty nine touchdowns, forty four picks. Mariota fifty eight touchdowns, thirty four picks. Completion mm-hmm. percentage: Winston sixty one percent, Mariota sixty two percent. Quarterback rating: Winston eighty seven point two percent. Or 87.2, uh, Mariota 88.6. So what is it about Mariota that has you ranking him so much higher than Winston? So I actually dropped Mariota um, to uh, to seven. But I mean, that's more that's more a matter of, um, you know, a couple guys jumping ahead of him. Um, Russell Wilson, who was someone I was super down on going into the season and uh he did the one thing that i said he has never been able to do which is give you a full fantasy season and then uh just what i saw from deshaun watson i mean that upside is just it's just too much oh and carson wentz jumped into the top two for me actually um so Mariota gets pushed down to seven but i mean the the point remains i mean that's a 10 spot difference between him and Jameis winston and it's just an efficiency thing for me um with uh with mariota you know the 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 amount of dropbacks he takes compared to the number of touchdowns they throw he was he was throwing in uh 2016 he had a on six percent of his dropbacks he threw touchdown passes where the league average is 4%. I have no idea where where Jameis Winston is on that, but I'm guessing it's not it's not no 6%. So just the efficiency of Marcus Mariota and the touchdown upside, you know, the 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 lack of turnovers, it 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 all just kind of comes together for me into something that I can feel comfortable with as uh, you know, as a potentially as a as a quarterback one i i feel way more comfortable with anyone from mariota down i would way rather have them as my second quarterback 
Um, and again, that's why I draft him so early because I don't want to get stuck with with Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr, Jared Goff as my number one quarterback. Uh, but in a super flex, I feel way more comfortable with Marcus Mariota's floor than uh, than the ceiling that Jameis Winston could potentially have. And uh, again, I you just I, it just from week to week, I don't see I don't see the ceiling for Jameis Winston nearly enough for me to feel comfortable with him as even a, a quarterback, a low end quarterback one. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I definitely see the you know the the ceiling and floor uh, argument as a good one. Um, I I do think Mariota has a uh, a higher floor. I just I kind of group those two together. They came in together. Their statistics are similar um, outside of you know the efficiency that you pointed out. So uh, that's just kind of where I am. I like Jameis. I'm hoping he helps my fantasy teams eat some W's. <laughs> and and that's you know what it it you know we've talked about roster construction quite a bit and I think that that co- can come into play here a little bit too you know again I'm starting off my draft with one of my top two quarterbacks I'm making sure that I get either Aaron Rodgers or Carson Wentz and part of that is I'm the only one typically who's willing to take Aaron Rodgers with the first overall pick in a in a startup draft in a super flex league, of course, not, not a one QB, but in, and so, you know, from there I'm, I I am, I'm kind of just looking for a high floor. I'm looking for a week to week consistency and just something to supplement what Aaron Rodgers can do. But, you know, if you don't take that approach, if you start off with a, a wide receiver or God forbid, a running back, don't do that. Nobody don't start, don't don't take Todd Gurley in the in the top five picks. Don't do it. But if you do, you know, and then you're waiting for these guys to fall to you in the second round, then that's the type of of move that you want to make is to go quarterback quarterback in the second and third round, and you get the guys with the higher ceiling. You know, you get Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott, for instance. Because those guys, you know, they have the opportunity to make up the difference, you know, and to 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 close that gap that I've created by drafting Aaron Rodgers. Now you've got the opportunity to make that up if they happen to have, you know, the big week that they're capable of. It's just not a given, you know. It's it's a little bit of a gamble, but that it, it's it's a strategy. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing it that way. And I think that if you don't have that type of stability if at your quarterback one position, then Jameis Winston makes a ton of sense. Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by GTBets.eu, an official sponsor of the Super Flexible Podcast. Are you looking to get some action in on today's games? Head over to GTBets.eu. For all of your sports betting needs with updated odds covering all major sports. The bottom line, gtbets.eu will have you placing your first bet within minutes with their simple-to-use registration process. So register now and earn up to $500 in free money. Simply add Superflex in the referred by field to get the highest possible welcome bonus. That's Superflex, all one word. 
for your welcome bonus at gtbets.eu. And if you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. The fan-controlled football league is bringing fantasy sports in Madden franchise mode to a real football field. Fans will scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, and more. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing 7-on-7, fast-paced, indoor football, and a high-tech production studio built for digital audience. This is the next generation of fantasy football, where fans get rewarded for dominating through the league's proprietary fan token. To learn more about fan tokens and the FCFL, visit fcfl.io. All right, let's get back. To, let's get to the running back position for a minute here, and uh, we'll go to Duke Johnson because we've got two guys here with a discrepancy. Duke Johnson, his consensus, he's a running. He's running back twenty six. I've got him as running back twenty seven. Travis has him as running back twenty three. And then there's James with him way down at running back 35 below guys like Jarek McKinnon, Amir Abdullah, even James Conner. And Brian has him all the way up at running back 19 above guys like Aaron Jones, Isaiah Crowell, and Chris Thompson. So we've got we've got two guys to grill here. Um, Brian, who is uh, much higher than the consensus, and James, who's much lower than the consensus. Well, yeah, uh, turn in, this turns into a tag team match here. Fight, 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 <laughs> fight. Yeah, so for me, I mean, my high ranking of Duke is based off of this past year and my hopes that Barkley doesn't go to Cleveland. Um, if he does... If, if he does, obviously, ding, 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 ding. Um, Duke's, Duke's <laughs> rankings will be uh, – he'll be sliding down in my rankings if that happens, obviously. Um, if they bring in any other back uh, in the draft, you know, I still think Duke can have a role uh, similar to the one that he has now. But we'll sh- we'll see. I mean, I it's, it's completely uh, up in the air uh, for me as far as just what they do with, with – uh, with those two early firsts. Yeah, man, I, I get that. I, I think part of my ranking for Duke Johnson is just there's a limited upside there. I mean, I, I see a gadget guy, a guy who is really good at their down work. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And it's not that there isn't a position for a guy like that. There is, and there should be a position for a guy like that on your fantasy team. It's just that's his ceiling. I, I don't see anything – above that for Duke Johnson. I don't see Duke Johnson ever uh, having an expanded role. I think you you kind of know what you're going to get with Duke Johnson, and that's fine. It's just, you know, sometimes I, I, I feel like we overvalue those niche players a little bit, especially if they can catch the ball because we feel like, well, they're PPR gold. But, I mean, there's a lot of other guys. I mean, I, yeah, I have Jarek McKinnon right ahead of him because I think Jarek McKinnon um, is a guy who's hitting free agency who's I, I think has a higher ceiling. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but um, I just feel like there are guys out there that have higher ceilings that I'd rather have take a chance on rather than a guy who I've pigeonholed as a third down back, a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, um, but really uh, doesn't stand much of a chance to expand his role much. So to me, that's that's kind of why I have Duke ranked a little lower. Um, and, and if he's going to sign back in Cleveland, 
to me, it, it lowers his value even more just because, I mean, you have Jarvis Landry now in the slot. You know, you, you've got Josh Gordon coming back, David Njoku. You know, what what does that do to Duke Johnson's targets? I mean, last year those targets were there because, A, you had Kaiser, and, B, uh, you know, you, you didn't really have a whole lot of weapons until the end of the year, and now I've, I kind of feel that that's changing. So, um to me, it's a multifaceted on why I have Duke Johnson ranked a little lower, but uh, but for all those reasons, kind of kind of combined, I, I have him ranked um, a little lower than consensus, and uh, and I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, I'm I'm definitely willing to listen. I, I heard Brian. I think Brian, you made some good points about kind of Duke and kind of his role, what what it can be. I guess um, I just. I don't know. I'm still not wowed by his upside. And so I guess I'll, I'll kind of listen to you guys and you guys can tell me maybe why I'm too low or, or maybe you agree with me and don't think I'm totally far off. So here's the interesting part of this for me is I, I even, I, I actually moved Duke Johnson down to 32 in my rankings. So rankings wise, I'm closer to James at this point, but I agree with Brian more. So that's that it creates a, a weird dichotomy here, but it it, it, it all it all depends <laughs> it, it all depends on Barkley, Jeez. like Brian said. You know, if if the Browns take Saquon Barkley, that's why right now Duke Johnson is falling in my rankings because, and I mentioned this on the the episode the other day, is just the idea that Saquon takes him completely out of the out of the game plan. There's absolutely no reason for Duke Johnson to be on the field for you when Saquon is a better between the tackles runner. He's a better, um, you know, he's a he's a better runner out in space. He's a better pass catcher. It, you know, all of it. He's just a better player, and there's absolutely no reason to put Duke Johnson on the field. So that's why I've been moving him down in my rankings, and he continues to free fall a little bit, but. If they pass on Saquon and he goes somewhere else and Duke Johnson is all of a sudden a part of an offense that looks like it's going to be pretty dynamic, I'm moving him back up closer to the low ends running back two range. And uh, it's probably going to look a lot like where Brian's got him. I don't like you, John. <laughs> I, li- Not even a I like bit. you a lot, John. So I, I was pretty much Will Ferrell on old school on that one, right? Just kind of. There's that was the perfect argument. I have nothing else to say to that. So we can move on to another wide receiver, Josh Doxon. Um, another one where uh, two people are going to butt heads. So let's start with this. Josh Doxon is a consensus wide receiver, 43 and a half. Brian has him at wide receiver, 42. Travis has him at wide receiver, 42. Meanwhile, I've got him at wide receiver 62. I've got him below guys like Kevin White, Larry Fitzgerald, Devontae Parker. And James has him at wide receiver 28 above guys like, among others, Am- Amari Cooper, Golden Tate, and Jarvis Landry. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> do you want do you want to go first here, James, or? I, I guess I don't feel great about this think, one either. I think James has to go first. <laughs> I'm not feeling real good about mine either. So at least yeah, yeah. I'm the one that, that put this. I'm the one that put this on the sheet. So, <laughs> I'm not feeling great about some of these names, but whatever. I'm gonna do. I, I'm gonna stick to it. So both of you just need to move him to wide receiver 42, and we'll call it a <laughs> yeah. day. 
I, I, I think I can probably get on board with moving them down a little bit. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, but, but I'll say this. I, I, the reason I do like Josh Doxson a little bit more than most people, and the reason being is because I just feel like Washington doesn't – who do they have? They have Jameson Crowder and they have Josh Doxson. I mean, right now, I mean, with Terrell Pryor on the outs, I mean, they, they don't really have anyone else there, do they? So, I mean, opportunity. This is it. This is – I feel like I'm making – the same argument for Josh Doxson that Travis made for Devontae Parker. And that is that this, this is it for him. Like this, this is his last chance to shine. I think he's going to get more opportunity than ever. The one good thing is he's an excellent red zone threat. Um, I feel like a more savvy quarterback like Alex Smith, even though he's not as nearly as good as Kirk Cousins, I feel like he's been around the league long enough to know that, hey, I have to get the ball in the hands of my playmakers. I think that's going to be a good thing for Jamison Crowder, but I think it's also going to help a guy like Josh Dotson in the red zone so I can see his touchdowns going up big time. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, now, I, I'll be honest with you, I probably move him below Cooper even though I'm so freaking low on Cooper, I'm probably too low on him and a little bit too high on Doxon. But guys like Golden Tate and Jarvis Landry, like I, I just I know what their upside is. I'm not interested in it. Josh Doxon to me, it with the opportunity is gonna have a higher upside. And I, I would rather play the upside at the wide receiver position than take the safe Golden Tate, what, nine hundred yards and five touchdowns, or the Jarvis Landry, thousand yards three touchdowns, you know, like if, if he ends up with the same role that he ends up with in Miami, in Cleveland, and I don't think that's the case. So I, I just feel like Dotson's upside is, I mean, this is it. It's an hour never for him. This is his chance to shine. I feel like he, I mean, this guy was a first round pick. He has the draft pedigree, right? Travis draft pedigree. He's got the draft pedigree. Um, and he's, he's a good athlete. So I, I got to think that that means something at some point in some time, this guy's got to put it together. And he, he, this is his pretty much his last chance in my opinion to really get it right. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that, you know, Josh Doxson is a high upside guy that I'm willing to, to roll the dice on and take a chance on there in Washington just because I don't know that he has a whole there, – there's a whole lot of options outside of him and Crowder. I'm definitely not buying the oft-injured Jordan Reed and, uh, you know, s- him steering clear of another injury. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and listen to you guys, the voices of reason. Vernon Davis, man, that's the guy. All right, so let me let me – all right, you get your voices of reason card taken away after that <laughs> comment. <laughs> Seriously, uh, all I'm going to say is look at the quarterback. Okay, so what you were hoping for with Josh Doxson in 2017 with Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball was a touchdown. Sometimes he get he got you that. Sometimes he didn't. And uh, I I just I'm not. I'm not in the mood, guys. I'm not in the mood to chase touchdowns. I'm not going to do it. Now, Kirk Cousins isn't even there anymore. Instead, you've got Alex Smith, who is just physically unable, or more mentally, I think. He had his amygdala, or he's got an overactive amygdala. That, that's what it would be. That it, it controls fear, and it causes him to be afraid to throw the ball down the field, which is what it takes for Josh Doxson to do anything in this offense. This is a quarterback who went an entire season without throwing a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. This is a quarterback who, you know, he he made his he made his 2017 season and the 
the $23 million contract or whatever it was that he just got from Washington off of throwing to Travis Kelsey, off of throwing to Tyreek Hill. These are short to intermediate routes. That's what he wants to throw. That's Jamison Crowder territory. That's tight end territory. That's Chris Thompson territory. He's not going to target. He's not going to target Josh Doxson. He's just not going to do it. And the second that they traded for Alex Smith, that's where Josh Doxson found himself in the sixties for me in my rankings. Brian, Brian, safety, so, Brian. Uh, Brian. I like Doxson around wide receiver forty-two. Um, no, I, I think for me, he's he's right in the middle uh, of those two kind of extremes. Um, I like, you know, that draft pedigree, that upside, all that stuff we talked about with Parker earlier, um, all that, you know, Doxon has all that as well, uh, but he hasn't been able to put it together. And I think, you know, what I'm seeing with John, John's tired of waiting for these guys. He's tired of waiting for Parker, tired of waiting for Doxon, and it makes sense. Um, for me, I'm right in the middle. It, it could go either way. Uh, I think – you know, it is a show me season for him as well, just like for Parker. Um, his quarterback situation is a little bit better, I think, than than what Parker has in Miami. Um, so we'll see what happens. I could see this one going either either way. Uh, again, kind of like I said with Parker. So it's going to come down to Travis, isn't it? Son of a. All right, Travis. <laughs> well, I mean, here we go. I don't think this is going to be a, anything revolutionary. I've also got him right at wide receiver forty two, like we said. Um, so, so John, I mean, he's going into his third year. Um, again, we talk about how people give up on wide receivers too early and the whole third year breakout thing used to be a thing. He's going into his third year. He's not done by any means. Um, the, so Alex Smith is horrible. Okay. (laughs) I know that's what you were about to say. So I just filled in the gap for you. So, so, so you're saying he's not going to throw the ball to Josh Doxon because he doesn't throw the ball down the field. Yeah. Correct. In 2017, though, you said he, he made his, he made his bones throwing to, Amongst others, Tyreek Hill, who finished as a top 10 wide receiver in 2017, um, who also finished with a yards per catch of 16 yards and 11 yards per target. How much of that is yards after Um, catch? I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not so. So my point, though, is Doxon in 2017 had six yards per target. Per target, right? So even if we don't do the yards after catch, the yards per target, Tyreek Hill was 11, Josh Doxon was 6. So, I mean, to say that Josh Doxon is this down-the-field guy, so therefore Smith isn't going to throw him the ball, I think doesn't really hold water um, because he just did it. He he targeted Tyreek 11 yards down the field on average, and Doxon didn't even come close to that. He was almost Mm -hmm. half. So I don't – I mean, I think it's – who knows, right? I mean, Alex Smith had an unprecedented year and you know me, I'm all about not betting on the outlier season. So I don't want to, I don't want to buy into Alex Smith as this gunslinger. Obviously, I don't think that's who he is. I think that 2017 was an outlier for Alex Smith, but it, it, it does prove that he's not incapable of it. And he did, like you said, 
have, go a full season without throwing a touchdown pass to a receiver, which is just insane. But that was three years ago with Jeremy Macklin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible, and and Doxon does kind of profile as that you know wide receiver one type of guy, as far as just his his profile, but. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm kind of in the middle of you guys, like like Brian, and that's that's why you guys went at it and we didn't because we've both got him at 42. So I'm not done with him yet, but I'm not really, you know, buying into uh, thinking he's got some crazy upside at this point. So sorry to disappoint. No, no hot take here. <laughs> Pretty sure Travis just said I won that one though, John. Pretty sure that's that's the way I took it. I definitely didn't say those words. That's because you didn't want to get muted. I I got you. I know I know where you're at. <laughs> uh, it's nice to have that kind of power. All right, one more guy. Let's talk about C.J. Anderson for a second. Consensus, he's a running back, thirty-three and three quarters. Brian has him at running back 25. I've got him at running back 29. Travis has him at running back 27. And guess who (laughs) gets to defend himself yet again? James, running back 54 below guys like below Paul Perkins. Whoa. Chris Chris Ivory. Whoa. Charles Sims. Whoa. Among others. Mm Guys, let's – All right. So, so, so real quick, James, C.J. Anderson is still in the NFL. Were you aware of that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Travis. I uh, I am now aware of that. Okay, good, good, good. Because um, Paul Perkins now, might not be and, and – <laughs> Chris Ivory might not be. Charles Sims might not even be. Chris Ivory is actually a backup to LaShawn McCoy now, so – Oh, that's right. Thing. All right. That's right. That's okay. Good, I might be on. That's a good player I'm, to have him behind is LaShawn McCoy's backup. You have him behind LaShawn McCoy's backup. Yeah. Well, CJ Anderson's going to be a backup, but I don't, I don't think. <laughs> John, John, John is in Denver, and I, I would find it hard for John to tell me that CJ Anderson's going to start there, especially because we've already heard talk of. Trade possibly to Miami, where Kenya Drake is a far better back than CJ Anderson is. I just look, CJ Anderson, we hear every year the offseason, we hear the hype. CJ Anderson, oh man, CJ Anderson's looking really good this preseason. And CJ Anderson is just a guy. He's an average to below average running back. He's only gotten a name because he's had opportunity that was undeserving. They just didn't have anybody else there that I think was ready to take over the mantle. But guess what? They do now, and I think uh, if Denver doesn't have someone they feel comfortable with, they're going to get someone because you're not talking about trading this guy to Miami if you feel comfortable with starting him. So I I definitely am down on C.J. Anderson. I know that last year he had – that must have been – last year must have been his 2017 campaign had to have been the quietest 1,000-yard rushing season in the history of 1,000-yard rushing seasons. I mean, I I think – when we went through the running back rankings, we were baffled that CJ Anderson hit a thousand yards. I think even John, who was a Denver Broncos fan was baffled. Like, dude, he had a thousand yards like that. It's it just, it's insane. This guy is just not very good. The fact that he did that is, is, I, I mean, it's just predicated on opportunity. 
Um, just being force fed the ball, being there, being healthy is, is basically what it was to me. I don't think he's very good. Um, yeah, I don't think Paul Perkins is either, but I definitely think that that Giants running back situation is a total mess right now. And who else does he have to compete with? Wayne Gallman at this point? Um, I, I think Paul Perkins could very well be a guy that, uh, that I could see finishing ahead of C.J. Anderson as a running back too. Um, Chris Ivory, like you said, I mean, I, I, I understand he's a backup. He's a backup behind an aging veteran who has a lot of miles on his legs. So he could very well end up being a starter for half the season or more. And Charles Sims is a PPR monster when he gets a chance. And um, I don't know what's going on with the running backs there in Tampa Bay either. So yeah, I have guys ranked higher than him that may not have had, you know, years that you would think um, they should be, but I don't know. I'm just not buying CJ Anderson. I don't think he's very talented. And I think there's a reason why Denver wants to move him. So um, I'll definitely listen to you guys um, and kind of, kind of hear why, why I'm crazy once again. So yeah, I have a feeling, I have a feeling you're going to get it right now, dude. <laughs> so here's why you're crazy. <laughs> here's, here's, here's why you're nuts. You're nuts. And here's why, um, if, I mean, to me where what's really holding up his, uh, what's, what's really holding him up in my rankings right now is the, likelihood that he does get traded to Miami where he reunites with Adam Gase, who was the one who actually, you know, originally got him on the field in the first place, had a hand in drafting him and turned him into, you know, well, didn't even draft him. He was undrafted, turned him into a starting running back in the NFL. He knows the protections. He knows the, he knows the assignments He's he's what Adam Gase wants, and the reason that he's he's the reason that Kenyon Drake is uh, you know headed for the bench because I, Adam Gase doesn't trust Kenyon Drake. He does trust C.J. Anderson, so I actually think that he gets a bigger boost in the rankings if he does get traded. But even if he doesn't. I mean, I I was talking all season about Devontae Booker. This is going to be the guy who takes over, and he just never did it. He looks like a good PPR guy. He looks like a pass catcher. I think D'Angelo Henderson could be could be the starter there. I think he's a sneaky deep sleeper. But I mean, this season is going to start with C.J. Anderson as a starter in either Denver or Miami because Devontae Booker has just not been able to take over that role in Denver. And D'Angelo Henderson, you know, there's just kind of no reason to throw him out there. If you've still got CJ, you've still got him under contract, you're paying him starter money, you know, you're comfortable with him. He's been the starter here for several years. So, you know, if if he's in Denver, he goes into the season as the starter at the very least. And the most likely scenario is he gets traded to Miami where, you know, Adam Gase is going to, is over the moon for this guy. Yeah, I, I guess I, all right. So I, I understand what you're saying. I really do, John, but uh, here's my thing. And and maybe I'm totally off base here, but I just, I, I'm looking, uh, I, I, I'm just, I, I guess I'm just baffled on why um, Kenyon Drake is, is, is in the doghouse or is, is not what, 
what um, Adam Gase would want. I mean, look, he didn't have double-digit carries until their 12th game, right? And then he had it the last, what, uh, five weeks. Mm-hmm. He had double-digit carries, right? When he when he first, his first game, double-digit carries, 23 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown against the Denver Broncos. The next game, he has 25 carries for 114 yards. So he is averaging over five yards a carry for those two games, right? He also added five receptions for 79 yards in that game. Um, against Buffalo, 16 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. He also had six grabs for 35 yards. Kansas City, 13 carries for 57 yards. And the next week, 14 for 75. I'm just looking at Kenyon Drake when he was given the opportunity to carry the full workload. I don't understand how trading him to Miami is going to increase his uh, – Kenyon Drake is – I mean, those numbers are fantastic. Why? Why is – I guess I have a hard time imagining them taking Kenyon Drake off the field when he was as effective as he was late in the year for them um, and and putting on C.J. Anderson, who I, I don't really think has ever been that effective, at least not. I mean, I'm sure he's had stretches where, where he, he was effective, but I mean, I, Kenyon Drake, he's just now getting his chance to, to shine. I thought he did a really good job when he was asked to, when he was called upon. I guess my thing is I don't know. I, I don't know. What is CJ Anderson? CJ Anderson's the guy that's going to take those carries and be as productive. I have a hard time imagining that, but maybe that's just me. No, I hear you. It's just, I, I mean, look, I have no idea why Adam Gase does the things that he does. I have no idea why Jay Ajayi is in Philadelphia. I have no idea why Jarvis Landry. Well, I, I'm glad Jarvis Landry is no longer in Miami. I have no idea why he's not in Miami, and I have no idea why he wasn't used differently when he was in Miami. I have no idea why, you know, and Dominican Sue is about to get cut and uh, the right tackle, um, uh, yeah, whatever. I, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. I, I don't know why. I don't understand what he sees. I mean, it could definitely be something. It could be something as simple as pass protection, right? He might not feel comfortable with Kenyon Drake in pass protection, especially with a quarterback who you know has basically been on the shelf for um, you know a year and a half at that point um, because of knee injuries. So you know, it, it could be as simple as that. All I know is the Dolphins had. Uh, CJ signed to a tender before the Broncos matched it. That was a that was a year ago. Now here we are, second straight off season, talking about CJ Anderson to Miami to reunite with Adam Gase. I I don't I don't totally understand what it is that he sees, but I just know that an NFL head coach with a man crush on a running back is a power pow, powerful powerful force. What do you guys think, Brian, Travis? What do you guys, uh, you guys want to call me crazy too? I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's itching. Travis is ready. What about you, Brian? You ready? Call me crazy here. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I'm not really a big Anderson fan myself. Um, I obviously have him ranked higher than, uh, all of you guys. Uh, but, um, you know, but he is, you, you know, James, you had said about how quiet the thousand yard season was, and you're absolutely right about that. Um, when I looked at the statistics, it's, you know, holy crap, how did this guy end up with a thousand yards? Actually ended up with 33 less yards on 23 less carries than Leonard Fournette did, which is absolutely insane to me uh, because 
I mean, Fournette is considered a top 10 running back by almost everybody around. So um, that is a crazy statistic. Um, I obviously don't think that uh, Anderson is anywhere near the back that Fournette is. I'm not saying that whatsoever, Um, but he's he does have some use even if he ends up leaving Denver and going into a timeshare somewhere, um, I, I think he's, he's, you know, higher than maybe where you have him. but you know, I'm not overly wild with the guy either. Um, you know, if he does end up in Miami, I'm like you with Drake. I, I, I don't understand that at all. I mean, that guy, you know, when he got his opportunity, um, he, he took it and ran uh, and really produced. So I'm not sure exactly what Gase is thinking, but, um, but as far as Anderson goes, you know, I think he does have some use, maybe the best, you know, place for him is Denver. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm not wild by him, but I do think he, he still has uh, some value. So I'm, I'm, I didn't think I was high on CJ Anderson either, but so I, I, I do have a couple things here. So, to have him, I guess my main grievance is who you have above him, James. I don't think he's an elite running back. Um, is he a starting running back in the NFL? Maybe. Uh, he had, like you said, a thousand yard season. He had his he had his best his second um, he had his second best fantasy season of his career, year five, twenty seventeen. Uh, he finishes running back seventeen and. Brian, what you said about Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette was running back eight. And the main difference is he had six more touchdowns than CJ Anderson. If CJ Anderson had six more touchdowns, he'd be up in the top 10. And so my point is, though, to have him behind Chris Ivory is, is I think, the largest, my, my largest issue. Um, I mean, Chris Ivory's two years older. He's twenty nine. CJ Anderson's twenty seven. Chris Ivory just signed on it in it as a pure backup uh, for a team with a workhorse running back ahead of him. He's two years older, like I said, and he. It's not. Let's not pretend Chris Ivory's some elite talent either. Uh, I mean, his best year w- with the Jets. I mean. I, I don't I don't have it in front of me, but it couldn't have been better than RB seventeen, uh, which CG Anderson just put up. Um, and and as far as signing with Miami, I mean we don't know that that's going to happen either. And if it does, I think Anderson and Drake are both going to be not startable for for most weeks. So I don't I'm not excited about that at all. Um, so I, I didn't really come into tonight thinking I would be dis- defending CJ Anderson. I don't think he's great, uh, but I, I mean, he's definitely a better dynasty asset than, than Chris Ivory, um, probably Paul Perkins too. And Charles Sims. I mean, that guy is pretty much an afterthought. So I, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm not really passionate about CJ Anderson, but to have him below those guys and to say that he is not a, you know, a more valuable asset than that is where I take issue with it. Yeah. And I guess, uh, I mean, after you kind of put it that way, you're, you're probably right. As far as um, Chris Ivory goes, I mean, I, I probably should have him 
Yay, um, I win. Should have him ranked over Chris Ivory. I'll, I'll give you that, <laughs> and that's probably an adjustment that I'll make. You, you, yeah, you, you nailed that one. But I mean, there, there are. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna go crazy as far as you know, um, putting him over guys like. And I think it's crazy a little bit to put him over guys like Charles Sims, who I mean, to Ch- Charles Sims has proved in the past. I mean, this guy has has been a PPR guy. You know, a guy who's had seventy targets. Um, over 500 yards, four or five touchdowns, just passing, not not even including the rushing yards. So um, this is a guy who can be, I mean, he's also going to be, he's 27-2. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, in Tampa Bay, what, what are they going to do right now? I mean, they, Doug Martin's not in their plans, right? Is, is Peyton Barber the guy? They have a lot of holes that they have to fill on that team too, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know that they can just go out and address running back all willy-nilly in the draft or whatever. So, I mean, I think Charles Sims has a role in that offense. So I'm not going to say that, you know, and so, you know, I I get it. I get your point, Travis, that CJ Anderson probably should be ranked higher than Chris Ivory, but I'm going to, going to say that I still am going to be lower on him than the consensus because there are guys that I see that, um, that I think can have, can have bigger roles. I I know CJ Anderson just got done having a big role, but there, I mean, Frank Gore just got done having a big role. That doesn't mean that just because, you know, last year this guy had a, a bunch of opportunity, I'm going to rank him high. You know, I, I think Chris Ivory is, his role is ready for regression, whether he stays in Denver or not. And so because of that, I'm going to kind of try to read the tea leaves here and put him lower, you know, in my rankings, because I just, I what he did last year doesn't give me anything. It's, it, you know, I don't get points for that this upcoming year. So, um, for this season coming up here, I'm not. I, I I don't see Chris Ivory matching that or even coming close to those numbers, regardless of if he stays or if he goes. And Travis, I think you made a good point. If he does go to Miami, it probably hurts Drake and C.J. Anderson. I mean, what is what is the upside of C.J. Anderson if he's getting 12 carries and for you know three or four catches a game? I mean, I I I don't I don't need a player you know like I I guess what his cost is going to be I I won't have him um, just because I don't. I think his upside's pretty limited, but I'll just kind of leave it at that with CJ Anderson, guys. I uh, I think you guys made some good points, and I'm definitely on board with moving him up a little bit, but probably not as much to to make everyone, you know, happy as far as that goes. Cool. All right, we've all got some adjustments to make in our rankings. I think after that, and uh, um, maybe just kind of some uh, some overall life decisions to consider here. So we'll wrap it up for this week. And uh, as we do that, as always, we're going to ask you to do us a huge favor. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, download these episodes, rate and review the podcast. That's a great way to help us out. That's the best way that you can help us out, to be totally honest, because it helps us to expand our reach to involve more people in the conversation and to get to more topics that are useful to you, the listener. We want to thank Brian Har for being on and for joining us this week um, in both episodes and talking rankings with us. Brian, thanks so much for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll have to do it again soon. As we said, Brian is uh, part of the consensus rankings, so check those out at DynastyFootballFactory.com. You can see the Superflex rankings that uh, all four of us have combined to uh, formulate. And uh, while you're at it, also check out all the great content at the Dynasty Football Factory and the Dynasty Football Network. 
That's at DFF underscore Dynasty on Twitter and the DF Network at DF underscore Network, where you can also check out this great stable of podcasts, including the, the Fantasy Football Fellas, the Dynasty War Zone, the Debbie Watch Podcast, the IDP Edge Crushers, the Capology 101 Podcast, and the Dynasty Trades HQ Podcast. Check out all those great podcasts to keep up with all the current events, all the rankings, all the all the ADP, all the mock drafts and everything to help you prepare for the upcoming 2018 season. And follow our podcast as well on Twitter at SuperFlexPod. Travis is at TravisNFL. James is at DFF underscore the brain. I'm at DFF Dynasty Dude. And give Brian a follow as well. Um, to keep up with uh, with all the super flex content, he's at DFF underscore Brian. And send us your trades at Superflex Trades. We'll take them all. We don't we don't care. We don't we don't discriminate when it comes to format. Just because we're uh, the super flexible podcast doesn't mean that it has to be super flex. Doesn't have to be two QB. We'll take every single format. So send them to us. We can retweet them. We can help you get more advice, and we can even analyze them here on the podcast. Finally, thank you to to all of our great sponsors. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for our intro-outro music, the song V Addiction. And more than anything, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And until next week, bye. bye.